This is Ali Ciardo, and this is Photo Field Notes, stories and inspiration from professional photographers. My guest today is Derek Cookson, and I have actually had the pleasure of shooting alongside Derek. He is a very talented guy, great personality. He's in the Detroit area in Michigan, close, pretty close to me. If you're listening to this in iTunes, I highly encourage you to go to photofieldnotes.com. You can check out Derek's pictures, some images. Um, you can check out the photographer resources page for some really great resources. And you can, of course, check out the show notes. All right, let's get to it. Today I'm talking with Derek Cookson, who is in the metro Detroit area, not too far from me. All right, Derek, and actually I should say, Derek and I have officially now worked together, and he's just a lot of fun, big personality, and so talented. So, okay, Derek, let's go back. You're a full-time photographer going, what, more than five years now. Where did it all begin? Hi, number one, I'll say hi. Uh, thank you for the kind words, Allie. I've been, I, I guess I've been professionally shooting about uh, seven or eight years now. Uh, this is my seventh year for weddings that I'm in the middle of, and I didn't think it was until recently I started seeing couples celebrating their fifth and sixth and seventh anniversaries that I've photographed, so it definitely sneaks up on you. Okay, so you've been shooting for seven years, but what yeah. got you into it, and how did you actually grow it into a business that became full-time for you? Well, I've been... Uh, I've been... Since I've been shooting professionally seven years, and I'm saying weddings, I started doing engagements uh, and small portrait sessions before that, uh, right around, uh, let's say, eight or nine years. It really goes back to, you know, I, the typical story, I've always had a camera in my hands growing up, I always loved photography, but I, it wasn't something I ever thought would be something I'd do as a living until I had the chance to move here from Canada. Um, I had the unique position of starting over my career, and I used to be in IT, and like many people at their jobs, I liked it, but I, I, I didn't love it. And when I started here, I said, I want to do something that I absolutely would love to do every day. And I had read this interesting article that said, you know, don't look for a job, look for something you love, and get good enough at it that somebody will want to pay you to do it. And so I, I, I set a, a definite little timeline of a, like a ladder that says, you know, the top would be professional photographer and the bottom would be uh, where I got to start. I have to, I have to learn all those rungs of the ladder to get to the top. I didn't want to just jump in and disrespect the, uh, the industry or the crap. So I just went and got a job at a camera store and started learning uh, with like a voracious appetite everything I could. I... I came home and read forums and, and watched workshops and uh, talked to photographers in the camera store and basically it took a lot of time to eat, sleep, and live and breathe photography for a number of years before I felt comfortable to even do it professionally. And, and even once I did that, I even waited a few more years to build my kit and be comfortable before I started, do, started doing weddings as well. So and then we end up here. Did you leave IT completely and then start working at this camera store and then build from there? I, I did. I left IT when I left Canada. And right. I, I mean, I could have, I mean, over here, you could get a job at, you know, Geek Squad somewhere if you wanted to. You know, I just said I didn't want to do that. I, I, I could, I had the opportunity to start over where not as many people can just quit their jobs and, and rear end their lives out of nowhere. So I, I just took that and... Uh, you know, it, it really is one of those things that people say if you, 
if you do what you love, you never really feel like you work a day in your life. And since then, it's just felt like I'm, I'm having fun every day and I'm enjoying everything I do. Okay, tell me about your first wedding. What made you oh what made you feel ready to do it, and what did it look like? I I, I wish I could tell you I felt ready to do it. It was right. more like uh, it fell in my lap, <laughs> and I thought I was ready. I mean, I had a I had the first Canon Rebel, uh, digital Rebel that came out. This like the very first one. Um, it was like six megapixels, and I only had a couple. I had a two gig card. And uh, and a, and a one gig card, and I shot in JPEG, and was way over my head. I thought I was I was the king because I had a hundred dollar fifty millimeter one point eight lens, and uh, I had just bought the five eighty x two flash. So I mean that's a five hundred dollar flash. So that flash was worth more than my whole setup at that point. Uh, but I felt like I I just needed to. I told somebody. This is my first wedding. I've never done one, and if you can accept that, then you know I, I feel confident I could, you know, do my best with it. And I'll give you like everybody. I did it for like five hundred dollars. You know, it was, exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah, who didn't have their first five hundred dollar wedding? In, in that? But I'll tell you, I realized quickly I only had two batteries. So while one was in my camera, one was on the charger, I and I remember I had to swap. I mean, the battery life was not good back then. So I remember at one point I was getting near the end and I was shooting large JPEGs and and um, I remember having to go, uh-oh, I'm running out of space. And I had to quickly keep going back and deleting bad ones <laughs> just to free up some more room. And my battery was dying on me and the other one was still charging. And Yeah, I mean, it, other than that, you know, the challenges, I learned so much at that on how to talk with people and how to how to you know, I learned to love low-light photography in that one. And I'll tell you, that original Canon Rebel was not very kind to you with your, its ISO, but right, I, you know, in, 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 in JPEG, so you didn't have a, so I, I, I just say I like to live dangerously, but I quickly right after at the time went and bought a, you know, a Canon 40D, which was, you know, next step up, more a, a quote unquote pro, prosumer kind of camera. And, and started uh, realizing my shortcomings, but from that one wedding, I, I think I I have almost existed uh, on uh, word of mouth ever since. You know, and and it is true. It, it, you do something good enough, people will start to pay you to do it. So, all right. So they were happy, obviously, at the end of the day. They were, yeah. I mean, and then I look back at those images like anyone else, and just say. Dear God, you know, like look at these things. Who who possibly wants to pay somebody for this garbage or this drivel? But you know, hey, that that's still their images of the day, and I I captured a lot of the good emotions and uh, and feelings, and it may not be technically perfect, but. You know? I feel like I need to start getting like a, an image from the first wedding or the first session that everyone shot and like putting that alongside their more recent work just to compare. You should. <laughs> it's so true. Tell, I, I, I would submit that to you. I'd just give you like what I thought was my best one from that wedding and I could show you my worst one from this last wedding and I'll tell you which one you'll probably still say is better. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. So wait, were you, had you done any second shooting or had you... I went and find. Yeah. I, oh, actually, wait, wait. I do remember now. 
I I had gone. It was it was uh, all our friends were getting married around that time, and there were two weddings that my wife was uh, a wedding in the wedding party. What is the spouse? You know, the new spouse who doesn't know many people of her friends yet. What do they do? You sit around a lot at a wedding, right? You know, you, they're in the wedding party. They got stuff to do, and you don't know many people. So I brought my camera along and was photographing for fun. I was being an Uncle Bob, yeah. you know. <laughs> but I remember that two of the, the both weddings, the people said that my pictures they enjoyed them better than the professionals that were there. I mean, that that obviously is speaking leagues about who those professionals are, but. You know, I just, I remember one day saying, hey, maybe there's something to this. And, uh, and, and you know, saying, like, go for, where, where do we go from here? So it definitely ignited the, the passion for, uh, and I, I love the thrill of weddings. I love the thrill of uh, the rush of the stress and the schedules. and Right, and obviously it's a different kind of rush when you know what you're doing and you have enough batteries and you have enough memory cards. Oh, yeah. Versus yeah, I mean, the rush no. when you're like, oh, crap, I really hope I have enough memory or battery power to get through this wedding today. <laughs> well, I don't worry about those things anymore. Yeah. <laughs> People talk about waking up and having, you know, photographer nightmares. And... Um, you know, I don't have those nightmares anymore. I only have nightmares that I messed up the schedule and then oh, I'm going to miss one. You know, I mean, I don't think those ever go away. But who wants to who wants to get that call and say, hey, uh, when were you getting here? And you're going, um, I, I didn't know I was shooting today. You know, those are the things I worry about now. Not, I, I, I tell everyone, bring on the worst conditions. I, I love a challenge nowadays, so. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm totally favorite. the same. And that's exactly my fear. I had a bride last weekend. She had sent, we had the schedule set and she emailed me and she's like, oh, hey, just a couple quick changes. And these were little changes. But in her spreadsheet, she had a sample schedule and then her schedule. And they had the same name, but one had sample at the end. And I looked at it and the sample started at 10 a.m. And it was like maybe 9.30. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. It was actually not until one o'clock. And I knew that she wouldn't change it that much, but it was my first time. And I was like, oh, nightmare. Is, like, is this going to be? But it was fine. Okay, let's go into, um, you know, you said a lot of your clients come from word of mouth. So if you had to kind of break down where your clients are coming from, how would you break it down? I'd say um, a good a good eighty percent of my clients come to me because they were referred to me by a friend, um, and and word of mouth has changed so much now in with social media. It could be just that their their friend was tagged in an image that I shot, and they liked it, and they saw their friends ooing and eyeing. But you know. Uh, they may not have ever had a conversation with that friend about me, but I, I look at it as the same thing there. They liked the picture that their friend had, and they said, I'd like him to photograph my wedding. So that all falls under word of mouth with me now, because I, I do post and tag and, and make sure it used to. I think it still has a lot of uh, uh, power to it, and, and that is definitely one of the biggest drives of marketing for me still. But yeah, beyond that, I mean, the word of mouth is, is I, I, I will tell every single person I meet with, look, your friends uh, in, enjoyed me being there. And so uh, I would enjoy being with you because I already like those people. So it's a good qualifier that you've got to be good people, too, if you're friends with them. You know, so it, just an ongoing chain of goodwill and, uh, and friendship, I guess. <laughs> are you doing anything with purpose? Like, are you doing, you know, gifting has become a big thing. Are you doing anything 
above and beyond? Or do you think, you know, and I could tell you just from having you at this wedding, when was it in July, you are really fun to have there. I mean, it really does show and having that fun personality. So is it, do you think mostly just they have fun, they enjoy the images, or are you doing something else that's making you somehow different? What I do different is I do sell myself as part of the package. I know that uh, looking at it here, I'm 39, you know, I'm a I'm a, and I'm a guy, and I'm not a young, trendy, beautiful woman like yourself, Allie. Oh, please. And, and so many others that the brides look and brides make the purchasing decisions. So they're not going to look at someone like me and go, wow, I love his fashion choices or, or um, his, you know, his super cool, uh, super cool and trendiness that is about him. A lot of the marketing now is, is geared for women. And so what I, I, I do have to go with my strengths is that I, I like to have a good time with people and make sure that the people know that my, my heart is in their best interests. And and uh, I'm sure you can attest to anything. We're, when we're there, people just want to know that we're going to be able to take take care of them and get the job done and make it a fun experience for them. As a wedding photographer, we're around them more than their parents. So we have to make sure that we get along on a personal level and I think that translates a lot to better pictures when they're not so conscious of a photographer. So that those kind of things are what I really do promote as uh, something that couples get with me that maybe they just feel safer. I, you know, I'm a I'm a big guy, they just know that I'm 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 going to take charge and be able to to do things, but I also do sell that I know when to get out of the way because the day is not about me. I do hold weddings at a very high esteem and take them very seriously. And when uh, a couple were to ask me, would I take take control of the day? And I let them know that when it's when the time is needed, sure. But the rest of the time, have a good day. Have a good day. Just let it happen and don't worry so much about the pictures. I'll do my job, but your job is to have fun. So yeah, you know, those are the kind of things I sell to people as because I think people will always have the pictures to remember, but they they remember the experience with you as well, and that's what I you know want people to remember and and have the total package of that. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want them to be. I, I I've actually I had somebody at a recent wedding who came up to me at the end and said, "Thank you so much. You know, it was fun. You were so." professional but really just we had a good time we felt confident about everything and then they told me a story about another photographer from another wedding who was just really like just they left a bad taste at the end of the day before they even saw the pictures the pictures could be beautiful but yeah personality is huge you know you can be the best photographer but if you have a dud personality and you're going to be unprofessional it's totally not like they're not going to have a good experience overall for sure and nobody wants that anchor around their neck that day. I mean, uh, uh, everyone has the, all us photographers have the, the DJ was a jerk story or something like that. And they know that that one bad apple can leave a bad taste in their mouth for that. So yeah. And you don't want to be that. Yeah. Okay. So you're meeting, so you're meeting clients typically in person for the first time before, or when you're selling to a new client, you're typically meeting them in person, right? Correct. Yes. And now you have a studio that you've opened. When did you open it? I opened it about a year ago, uh, and, okay. and, and it, even though it is a studio, I, I have really only shot in there like maybe three times, just for some small business headshots and one music video. Uh, the, I, I really call it the, the studio because that's what people want to hear from a photographer, but it's more sure. a, a meeting place. 
I want to have a place that people can sit down and just talk with me and not have to go to Starbucks just to elevate yeah. it to that extra bit of um, what's the word I'm thinking of the uh, credibility. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's something that I'm seeing more and more is these spaces that aren't necessarily for shooting, but it is. It's the credibility and it's that kind of comfortable place to sit where you're not, you know, you don't have somebody leaning over your shoulder listening to your conversation. We totally did. At Starbucks I used to meet at, there was one guy, he was a older gentleman, he would sit in the middle of all the tables and listen. Like, you could tell he wasn't very subtle <laughs> about it. He wanted to listen to everyone's conversations. And yeah, I, I don't... I'm sorry, sir. I just do not miss you. Yeah, I just always felt... So I actually used to meet at this great coffee shop. And the reason I don't anymore is because they closed. But yeah, I always just felt, you know, I was lucking in my, my sample things. And it just was... Not that I wouldn't do it again. I certainly would meet with people because I currently meet with them in my home and kind of working on something else. But I totally had that experience too. And yeah, sometimes you're just like, are you listening to every word I'm saying? So anyway, okay, what led to you deciding to open a studio? And I know you have kind of some partners, I think, who also use it. So tell me about kind of that, putting that well, all together. You know, I will, I will touch on one thing though with the studio. An interesting point of view that I have with it is that I find that when I met at Starbucks, um, even though I didn't really change my pricing from when I met to Starbucks to when I meet in the studio, I, I book less uh, when I meet with people. People want to think about it and it adds this, if people ever want to see if it adds credibility to their, their business, it does because it's sort of now they're going, hmm, now it's a big purchasing decision, I have to give it some more thought. When I would sit there and meet with them, even though my pricing was the same, which you know, which is not I'm not a you know super high end market, but they would sort of look at it as oh here's this guy who's given us a good deal. Uh, you, you mean know? when and, you met? You mean when you met in Starbucks? They felt yes. That way. So they huh. had that different perception of it, and so I think the credibility had that plus in that it adds credibility, but that also. Like meant that I, uh, it, it now is intimidating to people, even though most people come in and I've made it look like, I've had people ask if I live there because it's made to look like a home yeah. and, and they, they somehow, it's suddenly, it's a, it's a, put it on the big pants decision and uh, it's, it's so weird about that. But yes, I, I do share with people in my studio uh, because there's so much space there that I found, you know, it, it's it's good for all of us to offset the costs of a studio. Since I don't do a lot of shooting there, I wouldn't be able to justify having a space like that. Uh, it would just be a drain on the expenses. So what I do have a newborn photographer who who we who shoots in the back studio area where there is a shooting area, nice nice light, but lots of room and that space is being used mainly by her. And I also share with um, a, a videographer, uh, partly because it's nice to have someone in the wedding industry but not direct competition with you, and also because I did put a nice audio-visual setup in there, so there's a big screen TV, a nice sound, so that he can meet with their clients. Again, he probably wouldn't have the need for a huge studio either, so we kind of help each other out, and we, we all coordinate everything with an online calendar, and over the last year, we've never had a, a, any instance of having any stepping on each other's toes, but now 
we all can afford a nice big place like this and without any serious baggage or overhead that we would encounter if we were by ourselves. Tell me a little bit more. I think I'm interested in this because I've kind of gone back and forth on that whole, the this, this studio, the I think you space. want a studio now, so you're looking well, at this space. This could be a viable yeah. <laughs> No, I'll admit, I've, I've been looking. I just haven't found the right space. But So for you, a, a couple of things. First of all, what made you feel, like what sparked in you where you were like, I'm ready for a studio? And then... How did you find the space? Because that, to me, that's the biggest challenge. And I think it depends on where you are, like what market, what city, what's there. But I think finding the place with the right vibe is kind of important. So what did that all look like for you? Um, you know, the, the place was uh, a friend of mine who it used to be her studio. Her, and she had it more a production kind of a place where she would do all her work and editing there. She had an assistant come in and do editing. It didn't look anything like it does now. But um, she had, and I would go by and visit her, and one day she told me that she was going to be leaving uh, Royal Oak, where, where my studio is in Royal Oak, Michigan. It has somewhat higher real estate pricing. So a space like this is usually not as inexpensive as the one I have is. Uh, usually, sorry, let me rephrase that. It's usually much more expensive. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Okay. So... And it's usually much more expensive in the, the towards the downtown area, and uh, I kind of lucked into it with this uh, a very lax landlord, and it kind of fell in the lap. Uh, once she said she was leaving, I said, "Hey, I'll take it over and put me in contact with the landlord." And and so he was happy, just not have to worry about finding another tenant or anything. But I mean, none of that's exciting, right? It, <laughs> it, it just was by chance. It fell in. So it wasn't did, like a strategy where you were like, okay, and this in this number. I did have a strategy in that I was looking in the wrong places. My strategy was all wrong, and I realized now after having a studio for a year that uh, I was looking in the wrong spots. How so? I was for storefront, I wanted visibility, and of course, everyone loves that uh, that idea of having big picture windows with your images there. So people drive by and go, my goodness, Marge, look at those beautiful <laughs> wedding photos. Let's get married by that person. <laughs> but I, I realized that a lot of my business is not, you know, people finding me like that. People are referred to me. And, you know, so there's no pictures outside my studio. And I have an up because I, I have an entire upstairs to a building and it's worked great so far. I find that once you can get them in the door, that's one thing. Just you have to put your marketing efforts into getting people to find you rather than, rather than having a show storefront. Because immediately as soon as you get anything storefront and commercial, uh, the cost of rent will easily double what a small space would be. Now, do you do, do you do anything follow-up after the wedding or after a session? Do you meet them in person to show them their images or how do you present their images to them? I like to sit down with them and go through them. Uh, in an ideal world, I would do that with everybody. But there's so many people, especially after they get married, especially when I get in the busy season, our schedules just don't mesh. So I'd love, I love, and I love to put the entire thing as a as a slideshow and sit and go through it with them. But just play some, you know, some, some fun music behind it and. Uh, and everybody enjoys it, and then that way, if they have any questions, they can they can answer them. I can tell little stories about the meaning behind that picture or why I took it, and it really does help people in their overall satisfaction when you can sit down. Unfortunately, nowadays it just doesn't get to happen like that as much. So uh, there is a lot of times that uh, 
you know, be delivering them and, and waiting to hear from that, uh, that email or note you get back saying, we love our images. It's great. So what is the advantage to doing it in person versus just sending them their links and being done? Why invest that time? We all have that ego that we love to see their faces when they see their photos. These are our little babies that we have worked so hard on. We want to share this work that we've invested in our time and sweat and blood into to, and we want to see them cry and laugh at the photos. We want that reaction. Um, so it is nice to be able to see that in person. You can show them products around the studio. Uh, easily, anything hanging on the wall I put there is there because I wanted it to be uh, something visually interesting or, or something they'd say, hey, how much to order something like that? You know, like they always say, you can't sell what you, what you don't show. Um, the, the downside, are you, are you saying you'd like to know what a downside to having a studio would be? Or, or, or downside to, I mean, if you're sharing it online, you're at the mercy of their monitors. You're at the mercy of whatever's going on in their life when they finally look at them. An online gallery, the one I do send them to see everything, does have a slideshow feature. And in my email, I always say, you know, pour a drink, put on some good music in the background, sit down with your partner when you view these for the first time and make it an experience and, and relive the part of your day. So, you know, that that's that's the really the best, the closest way you, you can try to approximate to what it would be like yeah. if they came Although in. Although <laughs> I know, like, if it was me, I would be yeah. like, sure, whatever, Derek. I'd be like, click that link. I want to see that now. <laughs> Yeah, secretly you want the uh, you want the uh, the all the demographics and the uh, the infographics to see yeah. which one did they go to, how yeah. long did they linger on it. I wish there was an infographic to show me right, if they cried exactly. or not at this one. All right, well let's let's quickly as, as kind of like a final topic, let's talk a little bit just about your gear because I know I know you get really excited about the gear that you use. So if you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get excited you were, about gear. Yeah, because you That's were like, you have to see this. You have to check this out <laughs> when I saw you. I, 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 I am administrator of a large forum online that right. I mean, you yourself are part of uh, in the Metro Detroit area. And there's, not a, there's rarely a day that goes by that I don't have somebody messaging me out of nowhere. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? So I, I'm, I don't know if it's a curse or something I should be proud of that I... I, I get regarded as a, uh, a technological uh, <laughs> depository of knowledge, but it's and that's that's not any kind of vanity or anything. It's just more that uh, I can't remember what I went in the next room to get sometimes, but I'll remember the megapixels and the the frames per second that a certain camera model can shoot. And I guess we all have our little superpower, right? Yeah, you have your enthusiasm. It's it's very clear. So if you're going on a wedding or a shoot, what what do you always have to have in your bag? Um, I I mean, I, I am a big advocate for backup and redundancy. So I, I shoot with a Canon 5D Mark III right now. I am one of those kind of shooters that like shooting with one camera. I don't like having multiples dangling from me, even though there are times that would definitely come into uh, a lot of advantage. I, I'm a, largely a prime shooter, so all my Canon primes, and uh, now I'm a flash addict, so I have I bring with me four flashes uh, because, as you've seen when we work together, that the I prefer to shoot with uh, flashes as my lighting, like speed lights, versus setting up large strobes. I like to preserve the ambiance, uh, the ambiance of the room we're shooting in, and the ambient light, and and the small 
I don't like uh, arguing with a DJ for uh, control over a plug. So I just uh, I, I prefer to work small and quick when I when I do it. And usually in a dark venue of any kind, you know, your flashes can be set to half power. Whatever. I'm getting off track here. See, no, no. You said well, you can set your flashes very low and and work just fine. So yeah. combine that with all the primes, the the fast primes that I shoot with 1.4s and 1.2s. You know, and never have any issue other than it's too small a depth of field. <laughs> All right, so here's the funny thing. You and I are completely opposite on every single front. I shoot with two camera bodies. Even though, like, I felt like it. Our, when we work together, I really like seeing all of our photos go together. But I shoot with two camera bodies. Well, only only when I have to, like, ceremony. Yeah. I, uh, I typically use zoom lenses. I have a couple of primes, but I prefer, like, my 24 to 70 and my 200 or my 70 to 200. I use an alien bee that's yeah. like massive with this massive globe on it. And I have not been able to bring myself to buy like a one point anything 1.4. I just like can't convince myself that it's worth it. You're probably so, better off because, you know, in all honesty, I, I, I am one, I'm guilty of doing like a many with the fast primes do is shooting wide open too much. You know, I, I when I see a picture that I shoot at like F4, F5.6, I'm like, well, that this looks so different. I'm used to shooting right in the, the 2.0, 2.8 area, and I'll try to rock that most of the day and and uh, squeeze everything out of it. I know that's detrimental to a lot of people when they shoot weddings because especially when you get more than one person in the shot, it definitely you're playing with fire with that load, that razor thin depth of field. But I told you I like to live dangerously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's obvious all in the look. It depends on the, it totally depends on the setting. But I think it's yeah. funny that, you know, basically everything you just said, like I would say from just the basics, it sounds like I'm completely the opposite. Did your skate but... crawl a little? <laughs> no, it's just like, Crimes just, only? What? It's Love just body? funny. No, it's just funny how everybody kind of like falls into their groove and has their thing. Yeah. And like, I can't, you know, you probably can't imagine shooting any other way. And I'm kind of the same way. But, you know, at the same time, so the thing with me with using like flash instead of my alien bee was I used to use it and I was worried that I was pushing it too much or would overheat or it wouldn't be enough power. So do you, you know, what are you doing? Does it always, do you have extra battery packs or does it usually get you through because you're putting them lower and you're using multiples? No, you know, uh, again, it's, it's, uh, I do bring extra batteries, of course, because I, I, again, anyone shooting weddings should have backups of everything they bring. But um, I usually set my flashes low enough that I don't have to change their batteries at all, all night. Uh, and so four double A, if you have four double A's and I love the Antelope batteries for that reason, I'll give them a little shout out, um, <laughs> shout out to the Antelopes, but yes. the, um, those will last me all night. And I, I typically uh, am shooting them. I mean, now I, I'm starting to experiment with leaving them in TTL, but when I was doing manual, they were at 16th power, you know, they're using very little power and you can go all night long with those. So well, and I like the portability uh, yes. of it because you can, it's easier to throw that in your bag than like this giant, you saw what I have, you yeah. know, this giant alien bee with this giant globe on it. So well, plus the Canon, Canon 600 RTs uh, are the wonderful, uh, I wish, I mean, when, when Nikon eventually someday gets a system like that, they will see what they've been missing, but because the wireless is radio built into them and you can control them all from your, your flash on camera, 
It's just so valuable. Look at the one we shot together. My lights were up on a balcony. If I wanted to adjust the light on that, I would have uh, I would have probably dropped a couple pounds running up and down those stairs all day. Where down on the floor, I can switch them over from TTL to manual, adjust their power. Each one I can adjust from there. So it, you know, there's just so many benefits to using them. Someday, you Nikon people will get that. I know. Yeah, you're, you're pointing out another place where we're different, of course. Like, on top of that, I shoot Nikon and you shoot Canon. No, but you that is... You and I are ebony and ivory, but we, we get along so well. <laughs> but we mesh. We mesh so well. <laughs> you know, and, and the part of the flashes are really the only thing keeping me even in the Canon ecosystem now. Uh, I regularly have this... Uh, one of my backup cameras I bring... I have a uh, you know other backups, but my I think my third or fourth backup is a, a little Fuji X100T, and it, it suits me well because it's got a 35 millimeter equivalent lens on it, f/2. But it it is an APS-C sensor, so it's really no different than shooting with a, a, a you know a, a Nikon the, the D7100 or Canon the D60 or 70. Um, sorry, 60 or 70D. Got to be different on Canon side. But the, it's such a versatile little camera. I would love to explore the Fuji side of things because they're a company right now that gets the what photographers are looking for improvements in image quality and beauty and craftsmanship. They're bringing that back. And their lens lineup is incredible. They just don't have the flash system yet. And, uh, and so mirrorless is, is an option for the future that I'm excited to go towards. But for now, I'll stick with the, the tried and true you know that I can beat them up like crazy. The the tanks of uh, Canon and and I, I and I don't even though I'm joking. I, I don't have any preference Canon or Nikon as a system because they're they're both incredible systems. And, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, well, let's kind of wrap up with one. Just take maybe all your years of experience, the ups, the downs, the lessons learned, and if you were going to pass on just a word, a thought to other photographers, what would you want to say? How would you want to finish up? I mean, I'd want to say to anybody who is, are you, are you saying in weddings or in photography in general? I say in general. You know, have fun, whatever you're doing with it, because it'll show in your images. Um, it'll show your reaction, or sorry, your, your interaction with your subjects, and to always push yourself. You know, there's not a wedding that goes by that I'm not trying, and I say weddings because I largely shoot them, but I do family as well. There's not, there's not one that goes by that I'm not trying something new trying out a new technique, trying out a new lighting uh, pattern or something that I'm trying to constantly improve. If you don't go home each day going, my images suck, and then you see them on your screen going, oh my goodness, look how awesome these are later. You know that, you know that hill every photographer goes through. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Then you know, maybe you're just not pushing yourself because you should constantly be trying to get better, trying to learn something new. Once you feel you've learned it all, you're just like those people from the film days, and I'm not knocking them, but you know their style when you see them because their style looks like it was stuck in the 80s. They never bothered to evolve. They never bothered to learn. They know what they know. They show up, they do their job, and they go home. And and that's why they're all angry now because there's such a new world out there. And So keeping up with uh, technology, keeping up with techniques and learning your craft is, you know, those are the things that are so important to anybody that 
they should constantly trying to push themselves to just improve it and get better and better. All right, where can listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on my website. I'll give you the really easy to remember uh, URL to this. You can go to dcooksandphoto.com, but I, I, I did buy the domain recently that I love. I make you look awesome.com. That is, uh, that still goes to mind, but I'll tell you, drunk guests at weddings remember that a lot better than uh, your name. Um, so that is really smart. Actually, <laughs> you were telling me that. That's really smart when people are like, oh, hey, yeah, do you have a card? They're going to lose it. But like, that's easy for them to remember. Who doesn't, the next day. Who doesn't want to look awesome? You know, <laughs> as, as long as that fits your brand, of course. But, uh, you know, you, so yeah, you can find my website there and, uh, and I will have to have you once I launch my upcoming photographer podcast. I will re I will return the favor and have you as a guest on there, so you can uh, see it. I'm going to try to do something different than what you've got, but right. uh, so we're not we won't suddenly be uh, eyeing each <laughs> other from a different city, going oh, a competition or anything. No. Well, here's here's my thought. You know what? When you're editing, I like to listen to podcasts when I edit photos, and I spend a lot of time doing that. So there is plenty of time for all kinds of content. I'm always like sitting there in silence, thinking, "Why am I not listening to something awesome right now?" So I, I will be all over that. I am kidding, of course. Like, there's any competition? <laughs> is there really a competition no, I know. in the podcast world? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, so so once once I have my future podcast um, that uh, it's it's called Talk Shoot. And uh, once that comes out, we will. Uh, I'll have you as a guest there, and it's been a wonderful experience being on yours here. Sweet. Thanks, Derek. No problem. Good talking to you, Allie. My interview next week is with Ashley Goodwin, who uprooted her whole life, moved to Hawaii, and went from having zero weddings booked to, I think, 19 weddings booked over the course of seven months in Hawaii, which is pretty amazing, the transition that she made. And she's going to talk a little bit about how she made that transition and some of the marketing tactics that she's used to really rock it out. So come back next week and check out the interview with Ashley.